And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I would be very, very out of turn if I didn't tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Wix. Yes, our friends over at Wix, they know a thing or two about turning a scrappy startup into a global organization that serves millions of people. They have a lot of experience doing that. And they want to share what they've learned with Startup Hustle listeners in their new micro podcast series called Ready for Takeoff by Wix. When you tune into Ready for Takeoff by Wix, you get to hear from Wix founders and company leaders. They're going to share super short, easily digestible lessons to help you build better programs and teams faster. That is definitely a topic that we at Startup Hustle can get behind, and we are very, very grateful. I can't wait to check out Ready for Takeoff by Wix, and we suggest that you subscribe and follow wherever you listen to this show. Now, Let's talk about the issue at hand. We have with us today an amazing guest for you. And I think I, I definitely have to share something that we're super excited about. But we want to congratulate this next guest for being recognized as a top startup in San Diego by Startup Hustle. You probably know by now that Startup Hustle, we love to go from city to city and find startups that are doing really, really exciting things. And today's guest is no exception. We have with us today Tosh Dutt, and he is the CEO and co-founder of ChargeNet Stations. So if you are ready to talk about renewable energy and you're ready to talk about waves of the future, you've come to the right place, my friends. But Tosh has also come to the right place. Tosh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It's, it's really a pleasure to be here. I'm so I'm so glad. And I, I do have to tell you, friends, for those of you playing at home, uh, you know, we do pre-show prep. I think you all know that by now. We kind of talk to the guests and, you know, tell this is how it's going to go. And Tasha, he's like, he's such a nice guy. Like, you have the best smile. You can't see this, folks, because I know this is audio only, but he has a really great smile and he's just such a cool dude doing cool stuff. So... I really, like, I really am super psyched to to have this conversation. If, if you saw me on video, I don't know how cool I look because I have like an airplane neck pillow around my neck because I have a pinched nerve in my neck right now. Hey, so. hey, you know what? We far be it from us, yeah, far be it from us to judge entrepreneurs for you know bringing in resources to help them get the job done. I am sorry about your pinched nerve, though. Uh, thank you, appreciate it. <laughs> That, that that's a bummer but what is not a bummer is is going to be this conversation and so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and kick it off and i'm just gonna ask you you know tell us about your journey tell us uh, about yourself tell us about charge net stations uh we we kind of we want to hear it for sure yeah no thanks and thank that thanks thanks again for having me here um you know i i, I started kind of my clean tech journey about 12 years ago um, and, uh, of all the places in Hawaii and, um, 
And, you know, over the past 12 years, I've gotten to get a really great um, broad perspective of different parts of the, the energy business, um, having worked with utilities, um, with uh, infrastructure developers like Johnson Controls and Honeywell. And, and then, you know, um, more recently over the past six years has been really focused on um, energy storage and, you know, software that, that controls and optimizes energy storage. And, um, and then also looking at it from the finance perspective um, and along with the real estate perspective as well. Um, you know, I got to uh, represent um, some large commercial real estate property owners and, um, you know, show them the path to, to integrate more renewables and, and also, you know, EV charging infrastructure as it's starting to get more relevant into their, into their uh, portfolios. Um, so that, that really kind of gave me the broad perspective that I needed when it came time to figure out, you know, what, you know, what, what is ChargeNet or what, what, what can ChargeNet solve? I guess, I guess the, you know, the, the solution came first before ChargeNet, but it, it, it gave me the framework to, to go and investigate and to take the time to, you know, ask other subject matter, ask experts and leaders in the industry, if, you know, the ideas that I had were, were, were valid <laughs> or they were, they were going to, or they or if they had a, you know, relevance or, or, or place in, in, you know, in this electrified, you know, future that we're trying to create for ourselves as a society. Um, so, you know, a little under two and a half years ago, I started ChargeNet stations and um, I'd already had some ideas in my mind about, you know, who I wanted to do this with. And, um, one of my co-founders, Rebecca Wolkoff, who's our chief technology officer, her and I worked at um, a uh, sort of late stage startup called uh, Demand Energy Networks, which had gotten acquired by Enel, uh, which is a large Italian multinational utility. Um, and, um, and, you know, the work that she was doing really intrigued me. And um, I, I, I took a footnote and I, and I, and I told myself if I ever start a company or, you know, venture out on my own that, um, that, you know, she's, she's the person that, that I'm going to want to do this with. And so that opportunity came and it came as a result of uh, some other acquisitions that the company that we both Rebecca and I are with that had gotten acquired had made. Um, one of them being eMotorworks, which is an EV charging company and another one demand energy um, uh, sorry, uh, Enernoc, which, uh, is a large energy service provider. And that really kind of, it made me think about, well, what if you kind of combined all these technologies together? What, you know, what would it look like and where would it be relevant from, you know, from being able to really make an impact, uh, relative to climate change? I mean, the technologies that we're working with solar batteries, fast chargers all have you know, really strong opportunities to, to displace greenhouse gases. And, um, and so, you know, what are, what are some unique ways that we can capitalize on that and, um, you know, and, and, and take a deeper cuts to, you know, to climate change that way. Sure. So you know, that really kind of got me going and yeah. And so here we are.
two and a half years later. Here we are. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm going to, we're definitely going to talk about charge net stations and we're going to talk about that, that environmental impact piece But I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to back up the truck a little bit and I'm going to, I, I want to talk about Tosh. I do. Are you ready? We're going to, we're going to get a little personal here. All right, let's do it. And so, so I want to know, you know, outside of career and things that you've done in the past, like what, what drives you around this, this cause? What kind of, in, what inspired you to get involved? I think what inspired me was really when, you know, like most parents, um, when you become a parent, you start to think about the world that your kids are going to live in. And um, you start to think about, you know, what you're doing and whether that's going to have any effect on them. And that was really the, you know, the view that I took. I mean, and, and also, you know, I was pretty fortunate to be in a very sort of um, a natural resource rich environment. Um, you know, when, when I'd started in my clean tech journey um, and started it in Hawaii, and it was because I'd, I'd met um, my now wife in Hawaii and we decided to start a family and, um, and, uh, and then, you know, and we started a family in LA and then decided to move back to Hawaii. You really start to look at, you know, the, the natural resources that we have and, and, you know, the, the sort of impact that we have and, you know, in a, in an environment, you know, in a state where, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's so rich and being, having to preserve it is, is so important. You, you become very acutely aware of, you know, what is your carbon footprint or, you know, what, sure. what effect is, you know, what you're eating, having on the environment. Um, so, you know, it was, is this, is this process of awareness, you know, uncovering, you know, discovering and then discarding, you know, old ideas that I had about, um, about, you know, um, even personally, like my diet um, and, you know, that certain decisions I make around, you know, which products I use, um, uh, you know, it, it really kind of opened my eyes. And, um, and you know, it, as my kids got older, they, they became very, you know, aware as well. And, you know, yeah. they, they feel the impacts. So, you know, I, I get to get live feedback on, you know, their environments and the things that they're seeing. Um, and, you know, the causes that they care about as well. Yeah. Well, and, and I love that you, you kind of drew it back to, you know, the, not just your family, but your immediate environment as well. I mean, if you're surrounded by so much natural beauty, you're going to do everything you can to, to sustain it and to protect it. And I, I love that. But you, you've taken kind of an interesting path. Um, you know, I, I understand that you studied biomedical engineering. And I got to tell you that uh, clean energy tech, that's a little bit of a leap. So how did that how did that happen? Well, there there really isn't um, much of a you know biotech or even a tech industry um, in Hawaii, um, and that's that's kind of the the you know why why that change happened and you know having a technical background and, and you know having worked in the semiconductor industry for a bit, um, you know it was it was a welcome change. Um, for me. And, um, it was a bit scary too, because, you know, here I am, uh, you know, and, and while, you know, I'm, I'm amongst, um, family that, that my wife has in Hawaii and, you know, we have, we have, a um, you know, family and, and, and friends there, uh, you know, going into sort of a new, uh, corporate environment and a new cultures 
is was a bit frightening. Um, but you know, we we there were some really great there's some really great people uh, that I got to work with, um, both uh, you know in the in the startup world in Hawaii and also. Um, at the utilities with Hawaiian Electric and, and you know, other um, other utilities in Hawaii. And, um, you know, everyone was really, everybody really cared. Everybody really cared about, you know, the, the mission and, and kind of the objectives um, and, and the goals that, that were set. And, you know, as you know, Hawaii is really proactive in setting their, you know, um, zero net energy um, um, goals um, ahead of everyone else. And, you know, they, they've, they've done a lot of great work to, to achieve that. And um, it feels good to know that, you know, in some small way, I've been a part of that. Yeah, I, I we're going to, oh man, we're going to drill down on that in just a second. But you said something that was that was really interesting to me. And, and so we're going to drill down on that now. Um, you know, one of the things that I think that is kind of pervasive to the entrepreneurial ex- experience is, is fear. Um, you know, and you, you said that there was there was some fear around jumping into a new industry. And, and, um, and so I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about that, because I, I feel like every entrepreneur has that moment where they are so deeply uncomfortable with the space that they have found themselves in. You know, mm-hmm. it's not easy to start a business. It's not easy to start to do something new. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I'm really curious, you know. And you said that you had some really great people who helped you along the way, but how did you, Tosh, personally deal with that fear and and keep on keeping on in the face of it? Yeah, that's a really interesting and, and a very dynamic question, as simple as it is. Um, you know, there, there's the fear that, you, that you're not going to succeed. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, you know, we, we generally, our, our first position is, standing in our own way and then something has to happen for us to get out of our own way in order to proceed and so for me what it was is like i'd shared like it was this process of uncovering discovering you know new ideas and then discarding the you know the the old ideas that didn't work to be able to you know have that um have that i guess the audacity to to get out of my own way and take the first step um, you know, the, the things that really motivated me to do that were, you know, I, I really wasn't getting where I wanted to go in the corporate world. And, you know, I knew, I knew that there was something different that I, I, I think I knew that there was something more that I could offer, but, you know, the, the corporate world is, um, is set up to favor, you know, specific people and, um, I, I didn't fit into those categories. And so, um, so, you know, it's, it's being able to understand that, like, wait, there is another path here. And that, um, that unless you take the first step, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be in the same position that you're always going to be in. So, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a struggle. It was a, it was a struggle going from opportunity, you know, going from role to role for a bit. Um, uh, but what's interesting was like e- each role that I moved to had relevance relative to what I'm doing now. So it was almost like yeah. I was like, you know, and it's all how you perceive it. Right. And yeah. you know, what, what lens you look through um, 
and and what what you take out of it but for me this is my education i mean this yeah the things that i went through over the past 12 years and the struggles that i went through led me to be where i'm at right now and to have the fortitude and to have the mental capacity to be able to 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 do it and to be able to stay focused and stay focused on my vision and not compromise on my goals yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, it seems like every step that you have taken on your path has, in fact, been preparing you for where you are now. Um, and I and I love that. I think that our journey is, you know, we just we have so many opportunities to take what we need, leave the rest, but then grow and evolve as as leaders and as founders and as entrepreneurs. And so it's, it's really, really awesome to hear that you kind of availed yourself of that, that life experience. And it's, it just speaks very well to you as an individual. So congratulations on that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and now I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I, I'd like to kind of set the stage a little bit for, for our listeners um, before we kind of do more of a deep dive into charge net stations. But mm-hmm. um, I just, I have a stat here and I'm going to go ahead and read it. Here it comes. Uh, in over a year, just one electric car on the roads can save an average 1.5 million grams of CO2. And for those of you who have a difficult time kind of wrapping your mind around it, that is the equivalent of four return flights from London to Barcelona. So some pretty deep impact, right, Tosh? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, Definitely. When we're talking about kind of setting the stage for this transition to electric vehicles, uh, you know, there are currently 2.32 million legal plug-in EVs in the U.S. Um, Mm -hmm. I question, what are you seeing in this transition to electric vehicles? Like, what does the landscape look like today? I think the transition to electric vehicles is happening a lot faster than people had thought and and it, it kind of just kind of crept up on us and what's happening is that there's far more demand than there's supply and then you also have supply chain issues that are kind of protracting that sure um but you know with oil and gas prices being so high too it's pushing you know it's pushing people further towards EVs and what's happening is industries having to catch up. So, you know, it's a good problem to have, but at the same time, you know, at the, sa- the rate at which people are adopting EVs is nowhere near the same rate at which we're building, you know, EV charging stations to support that. Yeah. And that's really what the biggest problem is. Like right now there's only 77 fast chargers for every EV in California, which is the, the you know, the, the state with the largest EV adoption. Um, so, you know, there's some gaps that need to get filled and, um, there's some really exciting opportunities that I think we as an industry, um, you know, and and my peers in the, in the EV charging infrastructure industry have to be able to, to support that. Yeah. Well, and on the, on the consumer side, you know, I feel like the adoption rate has been, uh, really interesting because I, because I remember, when electric vehicles first came out and it seemed like they were this new, you know, shiny thing. Some people were really excited about them. There, there were people who were very concerned, you know, like natural gas uh, proponents and, you know, things like, and so it's been really interesting to watch the adoption rate sort of scale 
Um, and mm-hmm. as the technology has improved and as the market saturation has become more more evident, uh, what have been some of the, the stumbling blocks uh, for the industry as a whole? I think having sort of clarity around charging, um, you know, charging rates, how people can charge, um, you know, th- there have been, you know, I've heard quite a few instances of, you know, people buying EVs because they're fed up with, you know, the amount of gas that they're having to pay, not realizing that they have to pay for the EV charging. And that's, it is going to cost them some money, not as much as it's going to cost gas. Sure. Um, but then not really kind of not knowing how to charge and, you know, not really having a positive experience. So I think, you know, there's some companies out there that are starting to educate consumers prior to, you know, if they are looking for an EV purchase or even if they're not. And, and, you know, educating people on like, hey, this is how electrified transportation works. And this is how charging works. These are different types of charging. This is about how much it costs and how long it takes to charge. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it's education. And then again, you know, it's lack of in- infrastructure and, you know, sort of the, the current infrastructure not being placed in areas that are really sort of intuitive people, the, the, the intuitive for people to go to right. or accessible or, you know, or reliable or transparent when it comes to, comes to, um, you know, that, charging so you know what what people are paying for charging so you know those are all opportunities that that are are available for us to fix well and 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 yeah i I was going to to note that that infrastructure piece that's a that's a that seems to be a large bit of the problem that ChargeNet stations has been tasked with with solving. And so, but before we delve deeply into that, because that's coming up next, I do want to just mention, uh, well, actually, I have a question for you, Tosh. Here it comes. Uh, have you have you ever heard of Wix? Have you ever used Wix uh, through the course of your, your business? Wix is awesome. They, Dude, I've seen some yes. really amazing websites on Wix and it's, yeah. it's, it's really impressive. I know. I know. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I've used Wix. I, I love it. Uh, I love to use it. It's so easy. I am not a developer and using Wix to build websites. They just make it so, so easy. Uh, you know, one of the things that Wix has a lot of experience at is building a global company. Uh, they've done so and they've done so very, very well. They have a highly recognizable brand and they have a product that people are clamoring for. So the next step in their progression, and I'm super excited about this, our friends over at Wix, uh, they 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 know about turning startup teams into global organizations. They serve millions of people uh, throughout their business and they want to share what they've learned with new audiences. They have developed this new micro podcast series called Ready for Takeoff by Wix. And the company founders and leaders, they're going to share these really short lessons. I love micro podcast as a concept because I think that, you know, nobody, not not everybody necessarily has time to sit down and listen to a podcast for an hour, you know, so, so finding ways to take in knowledge quickly is awesome. 
Um, but these super short lessons are designed to help you build better products, build better teams, to do your business better and do it faster. You can subscribe and follow Ready for Takeoff by Wix right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this show. And we suggest that you do that. Now, folks, we are here with Tosh Dutt. He is CEO and co-founder of ChargeNet Stations. And thus far, we've we've talked a little bit about Tosh. We've talked about uh, kind of the landscape of sustainability and the electric vehicles. But now we want to drill down on purpose. And so I want to talk to you specifically about ChargeNet Stations as a as an entity. Uh, what do you do? So our, I'll, I'll kind of start with our mission. And our mission is to um, displace as many greenhouse gases from all the major contributors to climate change um, as much as we can, as fast as we can. And what that means is not just um, uh, greenhouse gases from internal combustion engines or fossil fuel generation, but also a high carbon intensive food supply. And so what we do is we partner with Quickserve restaurant franchisees and their brands, and we yeah. turn their um, underutilized parking lots on their freestanding pads into ultra fast electric vehicle charging stations with energy storage and solar where it makes sense to do it. Yeah. Um, and our software platform is able to integrate all those technologies together um, and use data that we collect from our white label front end app that um, integrates both the EV charging and food point of sale um, to provide more accurate predictions on how EV drivers will use that station or how we should use our, our other technologies like solar and battery storage. Um, and so that's, that's, that's what we do. And we do this all at no cost to um, our partners, the franchisees that we work with. That That's incredible. So I, I, I'm going to tell, it's not really a story, I guess, a vignette. Uh, one of the things, so we have, uh, here in Kansas city, which is where we start a puzzle is, is headquartered. Uh, we are right in the backyard of the Kauffman foundation. And if you are an entrepreneur, you have probably heard about the Kauffman foundation. They do incredible work supporting entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, worldwide, they are a multi-billion dollar foundation. Um, they have charging stations in their parking lot. And I think that's super cool. I'm very excited. However, I would say that, I have had the thought, you know, periodically, I'm like, the average layperson not going to go and hang out in the Coffin Foundation's parking lot. You know, they just, they don't have the occasion right. to. And so, you know, I, I think that Kaufman has, has done this really, really awesome thing to make this available. But the fact is, you know, I, I love the fact that you, you even said it, you know, people aren't necessarily intuitively going to go to some of the places where some of these charging stations are located. But you've mm -hmm. chosen to focus on fast food chains. Um, you know, I, I think I, I read somewhere ChargeNet stations are now at 70 Taco Bell restaurants, which, by the way, well done. Round of applause. <laughs> well, Whole Horse is there yet. And we're in the process of building them and those will be available by the end of this year. So that's, inc that's incredible. Um, yeah. Th thanks. Yeah. I just, I just want to make sure we're, I'm presenting the right info. Sure. sure. Um, well, all right. So, well, all right. The plan is to have ChargeNet stations at uh, 70 Taco Bell restaurants. Okay. I, let me, yeah, let me, yeah. yeah, uh, but, I, my question is, you know, why are you focusing on fast food chains? Not why, why not gas stations or malls or, you know, other, other types of businesses? Yeah, no, that's a great question. One that I get all the time. So 
you know, if you want to meet people where they're at, go to where they're going to be. So, you know, 40% of the U.S. population eats at least one fast food meal a day. So that's 120 million people a day that are going to, you know, sitting in a car in a drive-thru in a parking lot, eating, you know, eating food from quick serve restaurant. And, you know, and for us, it's it's woven into the DNA of, of our culture. It's it's convenient. It's fast. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, a lot of people that think that, you know, sort of like, you know, more low income people eat uh, quick serve at quick serve restaurants because um, because of the price point. That's actually not true. The median income of someone that eats at quick serve restaurants is $104,000 a year. So it's, it's really kind of spreads across everyone in every demographic, irrespective of, you know, all, all the other sort of, you know, buckets that we want to silo people into. And the other thing, too, is, you know, you know, kind of relative to the question of, well, why not gas stations? Well, you know, the time it takes to fill up gas doesn't align with the time it takes to fill up, you know, time, the time it takes to charge your car significantly enough to be able to, you know, it, for it to be useful. And that's not going to happen until battery technology and, and you know, other technologies, you know, advance to the point where you can get that. But what you can do is line up the time it takes to eat a meal with the time it takes to get enough charge to yeah. get on with the rest of your day. So like this year, you know, we can get enough, we can get people, you know, at least 100 miles in 50 minutes um, um, for, for about, you know, 50, 10, 15 bucks so that you can get on with the rest of your day. Um, and next year, that'll be faster. That'll be double that um, in 10 minutes. So, you know, the, the idea is that, you know, with pe- the people that are going to be, that are now starting to adopt EVs, you know, with um, there being a $30,000 less price point, um, you know, like with a Chevy Bolt, we're going to start seeing more of those. And it's going to really open up the, the EV market to a lot more people, especially since the business model of owning an EV and sort of the total cost of ownership is a lot different than an internal combustion engine vehicle. So right. it, gives, it, it allows that access a lot better. And, and, and that's why we're focused in that, in that space. Okay. Well, well, I love it. Hey, this is actually just for my, my personal interest. Cause I'm very curious on average, about how long does it take to charge an EV? Um, right now it depends on where you go and how fast the charges are. Um, but on average, you know, it's, it takes roughly 15, 20 minutes to get, um, from like 20% to 60%. Okay. Uh, see, I, I had no idea. You just gave me a frame of reference. I love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and talk to us a little bit more about like the, the tactics of introducing these charging stations, um, at, at locations, you know, wh- what's involved in putting them up? Well, it's, you know, these are, um, infrastructure projects and, yeah. um, you know, the, our partners the, that are franchisees that we work with, you know, we, we plan out ahead um, and we look at, you know, their their development schedules and we plan, you know, we plan construction, you know, strategically to meet um, um, to meet, you know, specific schedules that, that they have to meet as, as well. So, you know, it's it's a collaborative process and, you know, uh, it takes about three weeks of construction from the time you, you know, you, you get your permit and you first start digging um and uh you know it's it's um it's a very collaborative process that we take and and the reason why it's collaborative is um you know our our solutions entirely white labeled so you know the partners that we work with like Taco Bell and 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 others 
um, you know, we're working with them on, um, you know, white labeling the, the, the entire solution for them. That's awesome. And you said that there's no cost to the franchisee? No, we work with, you know, investors that invest in solar and EV charging and batteries um, and, and understand the investment opportunity. And they, you know, we deploy capital um, for those projects uh, and, you know, build them out and provide can provide a really good rate of return. Okay. Well, I'm really curious to hear where you think ChargeNet Stations is going. I mean, you, you clearly have some some projects in in the works over the course of the next year. Uh, you know, we just talked about the the big Taco Bell win, but what else is on on the table as far as achievements and as far as future plans and vision for ChargeNet Stations? Yeah. Well, you know, I have this audacious goal of building the largest fast charging network that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So, so did you just say audacious goal? Do you do you ascribe to BHAGs? I don't. <laughs> All right. So a BHAG is a big, hairy, audacious goal. And oh, cool. it sounds like you've got them. <laughs> yes, we do. And so, you know, by the end of this year, um, our goal is to have about 80 locations um, between Southern California and the Bay Area, um, um, you know, with with our, our our current partner, and next year, you know, our goal is to expand to you know um, you know nationally, um, and you know build out a, a national network. Okay, well, and I, I have to ask the question because we when we talk about you know you've mentioned carbon footprint and you've mentioned the environmental impact that this can have. So if you were to have, I, I don't even know if you'll know this number, but you know, you can give us a, a ballpark maybe, but mm -hmm. if you had 80 stations operating at some kind of significant capacity, I don't know, hundred percent, whatever, uh, you know, what kind of environmental impact are you hoping to see come out of that? Well, it's, it's all, it's all out of scale. So, you know, we, we have some, projections on you know what kind of carbon offset we can expect you know over a 10-year period with yeah, this so you just said that much better than i did because i think that's kind of what i was getting at <laughs> yeah yeah i mean to to kind of put a firm number on it uh is is tough at this point but sure um you know once we once we start getting some hard data but you know we know it'll be impactful i mean just to give you a sense of that scale California has thirty about thirty one thousand five hundred quick serve restaurants in the state. Yeah, and if you look at you know where these quick serve restaurants are located, they're pretty much at every on ramp and off ramp across every major highway across the U.S. So you know the the the, the opportunity that we're creating to displace greenhouse gases from internal combustion engines, fossil fuel generation, and high carbon intensive, you know, food products where they're consumed at the source um, the most uh, is, 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 is going to, I think is going to be, um, it's going to have a sort of like a multiplier effect on the type of the amount of carbon. We that exponential have. impact. Yeah. That's, that is awesome. Oh my God. I'm yes. so excited. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, one of the things that I'm, I'm going to switch directions here just a little bit, but one of the things that I like to do 
uh, on on episodes of Startup Hustles. I like to talk about those actionable things that our listeners can take from the lessons you're so freely and generously sharing with us. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you, you know, if not not every person listening is going to, you know, be able to found their own eco conscious, socially responsible. Uh, you know, company, and 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 we wouldn't expect that. But what are some lessons that you would like the entrepreneurs listening at home to know about sustainability and how they can make their organizations more environmentally conscious? Yeah, I think it's being able to first sort of have an awareness of what what that net impact is, and then you know being able to quantify it. I think unless you can kind of quantify what that, you know, what that impact is, it it makes it difficult to, to offset it. And if you can quantify it, uh, you can also quantify the offset. So, you know, it's, I think it's just looking for opportunities. It's being deliberate about, um, you know, which products or materials you use. Um, And it's, um, and it's, it's, it's also, you know, keeping your eye open to other opportunities. Well, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, investment that is now kind of moved towards, you know, impact um, to decarbonization. Um, and, you know, like to your point, not everyone can, can you know, facilitate doing that kind of, you know, that kind of decarbonization. But there are other areas that I think help support that. And, yeah. you know, I think entrepreneurs there is a place. I mean, this is an existential crisis. And like, I, I do believe that entrepreneurs, you know, if they can get creative, if we can get creative enough, we can find a problem to anything. We can, we can find a solution to anything, to any yeah. problem. So that's um, what we do. That's what entrepreneurs are. We're problem solvers who just happen to attach revenue streams to the actions we take. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my belief is that you can be a good steward. You can, you can, decarbonate make big cuts to decarbonization you can also be really profitable too yeah yeah and i i I love that and i actually i i think that that would be my takeaway from this you know being socially responsible is not the opposite of profit like the two can Mm -hmm. coexist quite beautifully and I, I love the fact that you're you're at the forefront of this. And actually, that you know what? That's that's my question to you. You know, how does it feel knowing that you are at the forefront of an industry that is very quickly and in an in a consuming kind of fashion going to change, you know, change transportation and change the face of the way that we we move around in our lives? Like, what, what's that feel like? It's actually a really humbling feeling, and you know, for me. Um, you know, our sort of ethos around ChargeNet is stewardship. You know, we, we yeah. are at the service of, you know, the, the mother nature and the environment. Right. And, yeah. and that, that's, that's our purpose is to, is to serve that. Um, but, but there are also a, a lot of other really amazing companies, um, you know, even ones that we're part of accelerators with some of some, even some of our comp- competition, um, you know, that, that are doing really amazing things to, to help support, you know, the, the goals that we have, and we have a common shared goal. And so, you know, as much as, you know, we're, we're fighting for, to make our own space in the market, um, you know, the things that we're doing are, are going to help, are, you know, helping support, um, you know, our, our, 
our decarbonized future, our electrified future. And, and so, you know, I think it's a situation where it's not where one person wins or one company wins. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's going to be a situation where, you know, a lot of folks win if you can do it right. Absolutely. Well, and I think it, it bears mentioning that not only are you creating impact in the here and in in the now, but the actions that you are taking and the industry that you're driving forward has the the opportunity to impact so future generations. You know, the things that we do now are going to have ripple effects that we're probably not even aware of. Uh, could never be aware of all of them, but the fact is, you're you're creating a legacy you know, with, with this company that you're building. And so that's, that's super impressive. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I hope, um, you know, we get to do this for a long time Yeah. Um, because there's, there's a lot that we need to do to, you know, to try and slow this, this freight train called climate change coming our way. Yeah. Um, or it's already here. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Well, I I just I wanted to mention that, and it takes us to our human question. And I, I'm going to talk about legacy a little bit, but we we mm-hmm. have come up we have come up upon our human question, and I'm going to ask you. Uh, speaking of legacies, what if you if you had the choice, what would you want written on your tombstone? Oh wow, that's a really interesting one. It's so it's uh- so it's very deep. I'm, I'm taking us out deep. <laughs> Um, maybe something like here lies a good friend, father, son, um, and good steward in the, of the environment. I I think maybe that's what I'd want to say there. Um, I like it. I really do. (laughs) Because it speaks, it speaks to not only what you do, it speaks to who you are. Right. Right. (laughs) Very cool. All right. Well, well, that was a fantastic answer for a fantastic person. Uh, Tosh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share with us. I knew that this was going to be a good one. uh, And it was. So so well done. And thank you, sir, for for everything that you do for all of us. But more specifically, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Well, thank you, Lauren. And thank you for, um, you know, allowing me to, to have a have a voice. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and um, it's really exciting to to be able to share, you know, what what's passionate to me and, you know, what we're doing to help make the world a better place. I, I love it. And I have loved every minute of learning more, more about you and more about ChargeNet stations. Uh, it's been an honor. And speaking of honors, it is absolutely an honor to have as our episode sponsor, uh, Wix. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Wix. If you are an entrepreneur or a founder trying to figure out how to successfully navigate hyper growth, it's a rocket ship. It's really difficult to deal with. uh, And it just, it can be overwhelming. But if you're looking to take control over your company's online presence internally and externally, Wix Enterprise can definitely help. Um, I know so many people who use the Wix Enterprise platform. Uh, it, it provides businesses with an all-in-one solution for all types of growth and business needs. You can create high-performing websites. Uh, they are all backed by enterprise-grade security, which I know is a major concern. They offer support uh, experts to help you level up and to help you manage and scale online. So head over to Wix.com, W-I-X.com for more 
information. Friends, we are very, very grateful that you join us week after week and listen to the Startup Hustle podcast, but I also want to point you to Startup Hustle TV. I don't know if y'all knew it, but we have a whole TV channel, a series of webisodes that you can find on YouTube if you search for Startup Hustle. I and the other Startup Hustle hosts Uh, sometimes we look really smart. Sometimes we look really dumb, but you get to follow us on our journeys as entrepreneurs, as we make our way in the world. So definitely check that out. Keep on coming back week after week. It is truly a pleasure to do this with you. Uh, and we hope you keep on doing it. We will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.